Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we are reviewing the new Netflix film, another Netflix release, Marriage Stories, starring Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver, directed by Noah Baumbach. We'll get into that in just a minute. But Katie, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. I was freaked out earlier. The power went out in my apartment and I was concerned I wasn't going to have heat and this was going to be the end for me. Oh, that could have been very bad. I'm glad that you have power and that we can record. (laughs) I'm super. I I know that sounded dramatic, but you should have been my brother because I texted him immediately and was like, goodbye. (laughs) Let someone know I need heat. And then the power came back on. So everything's fine. (laughs) Cannot possibly go to a Starbucks and hang out for a couple hours. I I will die within the next four hours. (laughs) I mean, I have friends and things too, but I I was like, no, we have to record the episode. (laughs) Uh, The big thing happening today in Indianapolis, at least pop culture wise, is that Lizzo is in town this evening. So (gasps) she's performing at our basketball arena, Bankers Life Fieldhouse. So my sister is actually going going to the concert with one of her friends. She is? Yeah, I have to check in with her and see how Lizzo was. But (sighs) Lizzo is in I bet she's going to be amazing. I'm so excited to hear that. So we'll try to get an update on the next episode of how Lizzo was in concert. So that is tonight in Indianapolis. But we're talking about marriage story on this episode of the Silver Screen Podcast. But first, um, on the day of this recording, the previous day, Golden Globe nominations came out. So they were released on December 9th of 2019. The Golden Globes are coming up on Sunday, January 5th on NBC, hosted by Ricky Gervais once again this year. And we just wanted to run down some of the big categories and discuss a little bit. So for Best Picture Drama, we have 1917, The Irishman, Joker, Marriage Story, which we'll be talking about today, and The Two Popes. And the only two that we have not seen on that list are 1917 and The Two Popes. But that I think that's a pretty solid category right there, Katie. I mean, the three that I've seen that are in that category, I think all deserve to probably be in that category. So what about, I might be mistaken, but what about Little Women? Is that not a category it would be in or is it snubbed or is it because it's not out yet? That would be a category it would be in. The other category is Best Picture, Musical or Comedy, and it's not in that either. So oh it, wow, it did get snubbed from both of the Best Picture categories at the Golden Globes. However, Saoirse did get a nomination for Best Actress. Um, oh, drama. I did see that. So that yeah. was very cool. Um, but one of the big things, too, is that um, the best director category is all men this year. So um, we have the director of Parasite, <sighs> Bong Joon-ho, uh, Sam Mendes for 1917, Todd Phillips for Joker, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, and Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So that's kind of big. And the no big dis- Greta Gerwig. No Greta Gerwig, no Olivia Wilde for Booksmart. Um, Good Lord. None of that. So it's a little surprising there that Greta didn't get in or other no, people. No um, Casey for... Uh, Harriet? Nope, nope. She did not get in either. So, no Mary L. Heller for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Um, wow. So, yeah, pretty surprising there. So, that's the... Well, I the... guess I won't be attending the Golden Globes <laughs> this year. <laughs> so, yeah, our invites have not come yet. I don't know why. So, they should be arriving no, soon. Maybe <laughs> there's snow somewhere. They got stuck in the mail. Probably. They should yeah. get here soon. So, uh, the nominees for Best Picture, Musical, or Comedy. This always gets a lot of flack at the Golden Globes because, like, if a movie has, like, one song in it, they throw it into this category. Or, like, if it has, like, six jokes, it goes into this category. So, mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird breakdown of 
categories. But for this uh, Best Picture Musical or Comedy, we have Dolomite Is My Name, which is a movie with Eddie Murphy that's on Netflix, Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, which we just reviewed here on the Silver Screen Podcast, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Rocket Man. I think that's a respectable category. It's interesting that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood got in the uh, right. Musical or Comedy category. Right, um, just based on some murders. Yeah, and I like that Rocket Man got nominated because that's one that's uh, kind of you know we reviewed earlier in the year, but I think still stands out and uh, yeah. is still pretty solid in my list as far as best movies of the year. And it's definitely a musical, so I was glad to see that kind of got in that category. Definitely, I saw that because of course I follow Richard Madden Madden's uh, Instagram, and he mentioned yes. that yesterday. Of course, um, other nominees. I don't think there's anything super weird here. Best actor and best actress um, for drama. All your standouts are kind of in there. Um, so nothing surprising there. Cynthia Revo did get a best actress nom for Harriet, which was cool to Good. see. Um, the best actress category just for drama is uh, Cynthia Revo, Scar Joe, Saoirse Ronan, Charlize Theron for Bombshell, and then Renee Zellweger for Judy. So, which is pretty pretty uh, good category there and then best actor drama is christian bale antonio banderas for pain and glory which i have not seen adam driver um joaquin phoenix for joker jonathan price for the two popes that's that category so which the two popes is going to be out on netflix very soon so we will probably be reviewing that here on the show since it's getting a lot of buzz awards buzz too so but overall i mean it's fine it's the golden globes uh, they're kind of like the second rate award show in hollywood the oscars obviously being number one and stuff that wins at the Golden Globes sometimes can win at the Oscars, but it doesn't always happen. And then some, and the Golden Globes also does TV, which the Oscars doesn't do. So it's it's kind of cool because it's really the only award show you get to see the TV stars and the movie stars kind of come together and just hang out with each other. Well, I'm I'm boycotting. <laughs> well, great. Go ahead and boycott. Which is an interesting so. choice of words because I'm upset that there's no women. Yes, voted, you know, yeah, nominated. That was a little annoying that there was no women in the best director category. So wow, and there were well, definitely we'll women see that who wins the, the Oscar, won't we? We will. So we'll see. We'll see who wins the Oscar and when those nominations will come out. Probably in the middle of January. So, um, but the Golden Globes, that's that's them. And then uh, just one other quick thing: the Gotham Independent Film Awards were on December second. Um, these are based on these are basically independent movies or movies with smaller budgets. So not your big huge hits, but things that are a little on the small scale. The reason we mention it is because Marriage Story won Best Feature at this awards show. Adam Driver won Best Actor. Um, and then Best Actress went to Aquafina for uh, The Farewell, which I have not seen yet. And then Noah Baumbach won Best Screenplay for Marriage Story, and Marriage Story also won the Audience Award. So it cleaned up at the Gotham Independent Film Awards. <laughs> That's awesome. Way to go. It is. So we're, we'll get into Marriage Story now after we get through our couple of news items. And there's not a correction this week for Corrections Corner, but something popped up in Knives Out that you forgot to mention, Katie, and you're a big oh, fan of. Jared. <laughs> I was so upset that I forgot this. So I don't know if you caught it. I'm sure you did. But in Knives Out, which is still one of my favorite movies of 2019, there was a scene where Marta, that's Ana de Armas' character, she is watching television with her mom and Murder, She Wrote comes on the screen. And I swear to you, because I only went with my parents, um, when I heard Angela Lansbury's voice, they didn't even show her on screen yet. And I <laughs> sat up like I perked up immediately in my seat and my parents started laughing because they knew. But it was hilarious because her character, Jessica B. Fletcher, was speaking in Spanish because they were watching it in Spanish instead of English. But I was just thrilled that it made it onto the big screen and Knives Out. So look for that. Angela Lansbury makes a cameo. 
nice. I need to watch Knives Out again because yeah. I feel like there's a lot of little things like that in the movie that would probably make it even better the second time around once you know the story of it. So that was uh, yeah. that's cool that there was a little homage to Murder, She Wrote, which is, you know, your favorite show, basically. And you have a yeah, signed I, thing from Angela Lansbury. So <laughs> thank you for letting me mention it because my love for her is so strong. I know I've talked about her on the podcast before. So I was I was so upset. I even set a reminder on my phone so that today when we recorded, I wouldn't forget <laughs> to mention it because I was like, this is this is just so important. So there you go. Well, that's it for Corrections Corner. Again, no real corrections, but just wanted to mention Katie's love of murder she wrote, which is in Knives Out. <laughs> so Marriage Story was released in theaters on November 6th of 2019, streaming on Netflix December 6th of 2019. Again, as we mentioned a few weeks ago with The Irishman, the Oscar rules are that you still have to show your movie for a couple of weeks in theaters in Los Angeles and New York to get it nominated for Oscars. As we mentioned on The Irishman episode, it's kind of an antiquated rule with so much streaming nowadays but it's still a thing so that's why it goes in theaters for a couple of weeks um, before it goes on Netflix even if it is going to be primarily viewed on Netflix so it's rated R for language throughout and sexual references it is 2 hours and 16 minutes IMDB score is 8.4 out of 10 so pretty solid Rotten Tomatoes critics 96% audiences 83%. I guess I that's pretty close, but I can see why the audience is a little lower. One, this is kind of a depressing movie. It's about a couple getting divorced, which we'll talk about here in a second. But also, this seems like a movie that was made for more of like a highbrow audience, if that makes sense. I completely agree with you. I was a little disheartened to see the audience score, but I am completely in agreement with you. I'm not surprised that that it's 83 and not like 93. Yeah. So it's not, I mean, it's definitely not a movie for everybody. You, you It is kind of like a more serious subject and not a super happy movie. So it's understandable why the audience score might be a little bit lower. If you don't know a lot about it, you might have just seen it and said, oh, Adam Driver, I like him. Scarlett Johansson, I like her. Let's watch this movie. And then as you go through, you're like, oh, that wasn't really that that happy of a movie so which we'll talk about <laughs> so box office wise it made $161,000 again it was in like four theaters just to get the Oscars qualification so the, the Netflix doesn't really care about the box office they just care about your subscriptions so if you're subscribed to Netflix they're happy so the synopsis of this one uh, stage director that's played by Adam Driver and his actor wife played by Scarlett Johansson struggle through a grueling coast-to-coast divorce that pushes them to their personal and creative extremes and now we'll get into some critics reviews for this film the first one is from jordan seals of the new york times and he says it can be disheartening to watch these tropes play out over and over again without filmmakers seriously sorry seriously reflect reflecting on the men's treatment of their spouses oh yeah okay so i wanted to mention this well first of all jordan is a female Okay, sorry. Um, I knew that. No, no, it's fine. I knew that because of the picture that okay. associated it. And also the way it's spelled. I know somebody that spells it that way. But um, her comment, it makes more sense that does, a woman yes. said that. And I think her last name is Searles. And the only reason I thought that was cool is I went to college with a girl with the last name Searles. So oh, cool. shout out if she listens. Um, I thought this was a really good quote, actually, Uh because I felt some of that, like I, I know we do spoilers and things. I don't want to ruin the whole thing, but for me as a woman watching this film, I felt that way. Like I, I saw that it was colored more like he did things wrong and maybe you didn't see that it that way. And maybe you did, but I was sad. Um, like I felt like 
when she was talking about he doesn't see me and I live my life mm-hmm. for him and I do these things, I thought that uh, I've been in relationships before, not currently in one like that, but I've been in ones before where I felt that way. So I just related to that that sentiment. And I thought that was a really interesting thing that Jordan said. It is kind of interesting. And I think this this movie does uh, a decent job of kind of trying to give you both perspectives. But like you said, I think it is more man focused. It's more focused on Adam Driver. I think you see him a little bit more in the movie than you do Scarlett Johansson. So I feel like we're following him a little closer. But I do I do agree with that, that sometimes it's viewed from one perspective instead of both the women and the men going through the divorce. So Next up, we have David Lavesley of GQ Magazine, who says their privilege is rarely checked or acknowledged, while the plight of others is never really addressed even slightly. It all feels very worthy, hoping insight will outweigh specificity, but it's something we have literally seen before. He's not wrong. This is very similar to uh, Kramer versus Kramer is one thing that comes to mind that won an Oscar. So mm. it, that deals with divorce. So that's kind of a movie I thought about while I was watching this. Not entirely in its plot or, you know, structure or everything, but there are definitely some similarities between the two. <laughs> I so I actually I regret I have not seen Kramer versus Kramer. OK, I know the general idea. I know it's Meryl Streep and Dustin Hoffman, yep. but I haven't seen it. The privilege thing did strike a chord with me because I noticed in the film, I kept wondering where is this money coming from? And I know they talked about him getting the MacArthur grant and they talked about her like, oh, she in was in TV one series. movie and her yeah. mom. Yeah. And then her mom did movies and stuff like that. But I, I just felt like where they were living and stuff, it didn't make sense with what they were able to bring in financially. Um, so I thought it was like that that comment came up a lot with the show Friends, which we all know is one of my favorite shows mm-hmm. of all time, um, because they talked about how no one at that age with those jobs could have lived in that apartment in a rent controlled apartment in like Hell's Kitchen. So I do understand what they're saying. And I felt like they didn't really acknowledge it. I think that there was a small attempt to talk about how much debt can be accrued, like literally how people will go bankrupt getting divorced. But I don't think they spend enough time on it to really develop that idea. So I would definitely agree with the privilege not being checked or acknowledged. Like there's one. Yeah, I think the two things are the two cities that they pick for them to be in New York and L.A. are very big cities with very expensive cost of living. So that's one thing. When I get that you want to make some distance between them so that when they have to travel back and forth, it feels like that, you know, you think in your mind, New York to L.A., that's a pretty far distance. That's coast to coast. So I kind of get that. But also, like you said, the money thing, they don't really discuss too much. There's one scene with Adam Driver and Alan Alda where they talk. Alan Alda talks about like, you're going to pay for me but you're also going to pay for like part of Scarlett Johansson's lawyer because that's how it'll play out. And we have to, you know, you have to keep your apartment in New York to show that you're a New York family, um, but you still have to come to LA and visit your kids. So like all those things were, kind of, that was really the only scene that they discussed kind of the financial aspects of the whole thing. Yeah. Yep. I thought, I don't agree with everything that guy said. I, I really enjoyed this movie, but I, I get what he's saying. Part of it. Yeah. So next up, we have Carrie Darling of the Houston Chronicle, who says the entire cast is rock solid with Johansson and Driver turning in two of the very best performances of their careers. I would agree. I I wanted to comment because, Jared, this will go down in history as the movie that made me like Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> I'm not. I a know huge... I've mentioned before. What? You're not. I would say I'm not a huge Scarlett Johansson fan either. So, yeah. I've mentioned it before, but the more I did like her character in The Avengers, 
Um, yes. I am excited for Black Widow. I really, I'm just happy to see her play a woman who's not having an affair and the character doesn't revolve around her body and how pretty she is. Because, and that's not, that is not saying Scarlett Johansson is that way. I think she's pr- really pretty intelligent and very likable, it seems like, in interviews. It's just that the roles she's either been given to play or chosen to play before this, I'm not impressed in the slightest. So I think that she's gotten a lot better and is able to be more choosy with her films. So this is definitely the movie that if people ever ask if I like Scarlett Johansson, I'll now say like, yeah, I I got in a deal. Cool. Well, and she is, uh, as we record this, she is hosting SNL this upcoming weekend. And of course, she is dating. She's dating Colin Jost, who is the head writer on SNL. They are. I didn't know that. They are. And I know that because I I really don't care for her engagement ring. It's like black. (laughs) I've always thought that was a weird relationship. I don't know why. I just thought they didn't fit. (laughs) Another, well, sidebar, now that we've done it. uh, Did you also hear that Emma Stone got engaged? Uh, oh, did she? Over the Thanksgiving holiday okay. to Dave McGarry, who is a producer on SNL. Okay. So a lot of those SNL people are getting really popular these days. There were. There was one that was like dating Ben Affleck for a while. They're not dating anymore, mm-hmm. though. So SNL, definitely a lot of relationships have, have formed on there. So And we know um, Pete Davidson has been with about uh, 89 women this year. <laughs> so Yes, something Something is going... So there's something in the water. At Saturday yes, Night Live. At SNL. I don't know if it's the late work hours or Maybe. the fact that you're in New York or what, but something <laughs> is just, it's really, you know, a high, high environment for romance, I guess, over right. at the old SNL. So <laughs> we have uh, one more critic review to get to before we get into the cast. That is from Matthew Thrift of Little White Lies, who says, it's a film of devastating cumulative power, even handed and empathetic in its approach to two characters who relationship, whose relationship is broken down, but who still want the best for their child and each other. That's a pretty good just synopsis of the movie overall. <laughs> Yeah, I think this might be the best as far as just kind of encompassing what the movie's about. And I do think in the end, that very last part about wanting the best for their child and each other, I think that rings true through the end of the film. I think so, too. And that's why one reason why I compared it to Kramer versus Kramer is because in that movie, there is a child of who's also a boy of similar age that is kind of, you know, a big part of the story, too, like in Marriage Story. So that was another reason I drew a connection to that as well. So this is directed by Noah Baumbach, and we'll talk more about him coming up in just a minute. But first, we're going to get into the cast. And this is not a huge cast for this movie. So first up, we have Scarlett Johansson, who plays Nicole in the film. Yes, trying to um, switch it up a little bit with our cast, maybe make it a little bit more um, limited, only because not everybody gets top billing and no one has time for this. So <laughs> Scarlett Johansson, again, she plays Nicole. I actually in the uh, in IMBD, IMDB, it didn't actually say her last name was Barbara in the listing. Okay. However, I didn't know if that was because of the divorce or if they just didn't give that last name in the credits. Yes. Um, she is, of course, Scarlett Johansson is best known for her. Lost in Translation and The Avengers. And then next up, you can see her in the very highly anticipated Black Widow, which I am personally quite excited about. I should be interesting that the Black Widow movie. I'm interested to see what she can do kind of in a solo movie by herself for this. She's been in the Avengers franchise for a while. So um, that was really her, her, you know, moneymaker there for a while. But I'm interested to see the solo movie and see how they kind of develop that. Like it could be very good like Wonder Woman was with Gal Gadot. So I'm 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 excited for it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Next up, we have Adam Driver. He is playing Charlie Barber in this film. 
He has been nominated for one Oscar before for acting for the movie Black Klansman. He is best known for playing Kylo Ren in Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars The Last Jedi, and he also was in Inside Lewin Davis, HBO's Girls, and Black Klansman. Next up, he is going to reprise his role as Kylo Ren in Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, which we know comes out in later this month. Yes, he's been in a lot of stuff recently, especially like the past year or two has really just been the like renaissance, I guess, of Adam Driver, like coming very into the mainstream, especially with the Star Wars franchise. It's like the biggest thing you could possibly be in. Definitely. And I know we don't have to mention it because we do every single time, but I learned this week. I know we've mentioned the college thing, but I didn't know he actually like grew up in Indiana because I met someone who was like, oh, yeah, we went to high school together. Um, this week. So I thought yeah, that was I interesting. I think he's from Mishawaka. I could be wrong, yep. but I think that's His where mom, he's from. You're absolutely right. You are exactly cool. right. And they mentioned that in the uh, movie real quick. They mentioned that he yes. moved from Indiana to New York. So I thought that was kind of a cool aside just to his personal life. <laughs> Definitely. I, I was really happy that they said that. I know it was, I you know, every once in a while I'm like, oh, there's things I love and hate about Indiana, but mostly love. <laughs> and I'm really proud that that we have ties, that he has ties to Indiana as well. Yes. Last, um, lastly, we have Laura Dern. She plays Nora Fanshaw. She is, of course, the daughter of Bruce Dern and Diane Ladd. She is best known for Jurassic Park, the original one, Blue Velvet, and Wild, and also HBO's Big Little Lies, which is a huge hit and one of my favorites. Next up, she is going to star as Marmy in Greta Gerwig's Little Women that comes out on Christmas Day. I believe I've mentioned that a time or two. Yes, you have. I think you you have made it known that Little Woman is coming to theater soon. So kind of cool to see her just basically play uh, Renata Klein in this movie, her character from oh Big my. Little Lies. Yes. I Yeah. She's so good at this, though, because <laughs> even watching the film, watching um, on Netflix, I didn't even think it was all like I thought she was different than Renata, actually. Yes. And Laura Dern is someone that continues to surprise me. She's getting better and better. And I just when I think she can only play one role, she doesn't. She really has a, a wide berth of characters, I think. She does. She's been in a lot of things recently, and I've liked her in just about everything, which is great. So this movie um, also, I should mention, it stars Ray Liotta. Merritt Weaver and Alan Alda. We can't forget them. But uh, again, we wanted to keep it kind of brief, but they were all fantastic and added a lot. There were a lot of good characters in the film and actors, but I, I trust that you all will watch it or have already seen it when you listen to this. So you'll you'll see them. And that's the cast for Marriage Story. And coming up, we'll have some fun connections and then also our likes and dislikes and our score for the movie. That's all on the way here in just a minute on the Silver Screen Podcast. Okay, and we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about Marriage Story with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, directed by Noah Baumbach, which is on Netflix. And Katie, you have some fun facts about the movie because all these people are sort of connected, kind of. Yes, I have decided to call this section Freaky Fun Connections. So this is also brief, but I thought it was too freaky how all of these people have either worked together or know someone who knows someone who then acts in their film. So... Bear with me. So Noah Baumbach, who directed this film, he and Greta Gerwig met on the movie Greenberg that they filmed in 2010. They were not an item, not dating. Baumbach was actually, he directed Frances Ha later, which co-starred Greta Gerwig. She also co-wrote it. And Adam Driver starred in that as well. Noah Baumbach was uh, in a relationship with Jennifer Jason Leigh back in the day. They were married and they had a son together. 
but then they divorced, which I wonder if that impacted this film. I think it would be hard to believe if it didn't. I also read that um, his parents also got divorced too. So he had gone through a divorce personally and his parents have been divorced. So I think both those things probably, like you said, did factor in into into this movie. Definitely. Um, I didn't know that. So thank you. He is, I think I've made this clear, but he is currently in a relationship with Greta Gerwig. Um, that was, again, fully after he had finished uh, divorcing Jennifer Jason Lee. That's what they say, and I believe it. Um, they now have been together, though, for almost a decade, and they've kept it private for most of that time. And she secretly gave birth to their son this year while filming Little Women. And then I was reading about it yesterday, and most of the cast didn't even know she was pregnant the entire time they were filming because she just wore all these heavy, baggy, loose clothes because it was cold out. Okay. And they were filming like in New England, I think. Um, So anyway, that was interesting. Uh, But the connections don't stop there because the two of them also like to share actors. So Greta Gerwig directed Lady Bird prior to this, which you and I raved about. That movie starred Saoirse Ronan and Timothy Chalamet. And next up, you're going to see both of them in Little Women in this month. And then Laura Dern, who's in Marriage Story, is also going to be in Little Women, like I mentioned earlier. And then Adam Driver, like I mentioned, was in Francis Ha and now is in Marriage Story. So there we have come full circle. Lots of connections. So there we go. How many degrees of separation are they from Kevin Bacon? Do you know? I don't I don't know, but I basically that's what I was trying to play there. So. <laughs> so now we'll get into our likes and dislikes for the film. So I think one of the likes that you and I both had is you're not a child of divorce. I'm not a child of divorce. Both of our parents are in healthy, strong relationships and have been married for many years. So I neither you or I have gone through that. But I think one thing about this movie that makes it good is that even if you haven't gone through a divorce or struggled with that, it makes it relatable enough that you still still feel for the characters and you understand what they're going through and you're connected to them and you still care about them even if you haven't you know suffered with something like that yourself definitely i i actually this is sad to say but true i've i go to a lot of weddings each year and i enjoy them but i think this year i know much more people getting divorced than married so a lot of my friends um unfortunately i have heard some of their struggles and their stories with divorce and how difficult it can be. So even though I haven't witnessed a divorce myself from like me divorcing someone or my parents getting divorced, I can relate to all the feelings that happened in this film, like sadness, rage, misunderstanding people, both friends, or if you're in a romantic relationship, happiness and love, um, wanting to compromise with someone and work through things, uh, feeling unsure about yourself or self-confident or like you're not good enough or threatened by somebody else. So I just, I thought that the story was very honest and relatable even to people. I think that that's really great storytelling when people who cannot directly have an experience with exactly what's going on in the film still feel like they can understand it in their heart. And I think the couple that Noah Baumbach wrote for this movie is a couple that obviously they're getting divorced because they fell out of love with each other. And there are some messy moments of the divorce, but overall, they still are going to be friendly toward each other. They have a child together. They're going to want what is best for the child, which I feel like is relatable to probably a lot of real life divorces. Obviously, there are ones that is that are messy and the couple never speaks to each other again. But a lot of the times I feel like it's just we don't love any each other anymore, but we still want to parent our child well. And I think that's what is, is kind of happening in this movie. Definitely. I 
I think you and I both too, it's a testament to the writing. So it was great writing mm-hmm. and great direction, but also the actors. I thought the performances were outstanding. I mean, truly some of the best I've seen this year. And I think there's a reason you and I keep hearing about Scarlett and Adam and Laura, especially getting maybe Oscar nods and different nominations, which we've already heard. Some of them have already started, Um, but I'm not surprised. And I completely agree with it. But those were the standout characters, even though I mentioned Alan Alda and other people were scene stealers. Yeah, it has a really solid cast, even though it's a smaller cast. And like you said, I think, and this is one thing that I was going to bring up too, that I thought was similar to Ford versus Ferrari, where in Ford versus Ferrari, Matt Damon and Christian Bale, even though those are based on real life characters, really knew their characters, like the ins and outs of their character, how they would have acted, how they would have reacted to certain things happening, things like that. I just felt they had a really great understanding of their characters. And I felt like in this movie, all the cast had the same thing, especially with Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson and and, uh, Laura Dern. Just looking at the script, really understanding the character that was written there for them, and then also adding some things of their own into it, but really fully fleshing out these characters' like personalities. I just thought they were really well well developed. So I just, I just made that comparison. Definitely. And I actually did, uh, you're always so well prepared, Jared, with you asked me like, do you remember specific scenes that stood out to you or what made you cry? So I can definitely tell you this one. Um, first of all, Netflix, a lot of times I've mentioned, I want to work on other things or I usually do things around the apartment, but I couldn't when I was watching this film. I mean, I was just completely enamored with this film. Um, so the scenes that really stood out to me was the scene at the very, very beginning. I mean, you know, opening shot, you hear the two of them talking about what they love about the two of them. And it sounds very hopeful and uplifting. I knew that's not what was going to happen, but I, I loved listening to the positive things and seeing how they interacted with their son and their families, et cetera. And then another scene that just truly captivated me was when Nicole goes to meet her, her lawyer, which is of course, Nora played by Laura Dern. And she tells her kind of how their marriage fizzled out, like what happened. And it wasn't this blatant story of like someone cheated or they robbed a bank and they wanted me to go with them. And I said, no, you know, it wasn't like some dramatic story. It was truly like, you know, I was young and I made these decisions and he kept saying we would do these decisions and and he would really listen to my opinion, but then he didn't and nothing changed. And you can see it was like this slow dissolution of a marriage. It wasn't like this immediate dramatic thing that sparked this. Um, but the, the scene, it goes on for a while, but because Scarlett Johansson was so good, I, I couldn't look away and I was so moved and we were like 10 minutes maybe into the film. So, and I thought Laura Dern did a really good job in that scene of listening to her and actually looking like she was listening, not acting. Yeah, I thought that those those two were definitely standouts. I was going to mention the beginning of the movie because, like you said, when you watch something on Netflix, you're usually distracted with a couple other things. But when this movie started, I just I started it and I was like, oh, this is kind of interesting. We're going through, we're tell, talking about the characters. Oh, yeah, I can relate to that. You know, like they talk about their traits. Like I do that, or I know somebody that does that, or somebody in a past relationship that I've been in has done that. You know, things like that. So those were very like relatable. The first couple minutes of the movie, the scene where she 
she's telling Nicole is telling her story to Nora was also very good. That's like one long take where she's sitting down in the chair and then she moves over to the couch and and continues to tell her story and then the camera kind of zooms in closer on her face and like you said, Laura Dern doesn't basically say a word during that. She just sits there and listens and then they come up with a plan of what they want to do. So those were definitely standouts for me. And then another big standout for me is um, the scene when they were in the house where it's kind of come to a boiling point and they're airing out all their dirty laundry and it's between Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. I thought that was a really well acted scene. It's not a happy scene at all, but they're basically just saying things that they don't like about each other. But the way they're doing it just feels very authentic and very real. And again, that's kind of like more of a one take type thing too, where they're just acting it out. But I really enjoyed that scene as well. Oh, that's a really good point. I I think you bring up too that the actors, nobody really seemed like they were acting. And I, I don't, I think the three, at least the three main people really are seasoned actors. This is not mm-hmm. their first major film. This isn't their first smaller film too. Cause I think this was made for like a very intimate feeling and, and smaller audiences. They all just seemed very genuine in, in what was happening to them. I didn't feel like they were like overacting, which is, I really appreciate. And that means a lot more to me than a lot of these big blockbuster films where people just have to either look sexy or do a fight scene. Apparently the budget for this was 18 million. So not a huge budget, still a pretty decent one, but not big by any means. And again, you have to pay some of the actors that are in this and and things like that. So I understand that, but still a pretty small budget movie. And like you said, I think they were all in it more for the story than for the money, which is, which is good. So Mm -hmm. the only other um, likes I had was another scene specifically, but I, I really liked the scenes with Adam driver and the kid in this movie, like whether they would be in the car or if they would be out somewhere because it's just like a total child father relationship. The child has tons of questions. Adam driver is answering those while he's having a normal conversation with him. He's helping him learn to read or to spell sight, you know, sound out things, things that you would do with a kid. Um, and then that comes back at the end of the movie where they read, you know, they get there in the bedroom and they're reading as well. And he's just mentioning like how far he's come in his reading. And that's kind of just a thing that co- plays out throughout the whole movie. But I really enjoyed the scenes with the kid and Adam driver. Cause I thought that the kid did a really good job of acting in this. And then Adam driver did a really good job. They just did a great job of playing off of each other. Basically it felt very natural again of a relationship between a, a son and a father. The kid was adorable. That actor, I honestly didn't put his name because I was too ashamed I would ruin it. I believe it's <laughs> Ashy Robertson. Okay. Um, it's A-Z-H-Y. Um, but he's fantastic. I think he's only been in Juliet Naked and then something called The Plot Against America. Okay. But he was darling and he was just good at playing a kid. I know that mm-hmm. he is a kid, but I, I just believed his emotions. Like, I felt like he really was their child, not an actor playing their child. I feel like I'm saying the same thing over again, but I really, like, can't say enough how much I appreciated the acting in this film. The acting is really good. And talking about him, too, like, he just, like you said, he just plays like a normal kid. Like, sometimes he's really excited about things. Sometimes he's in a little bit of a moody, you know, mood and doesn't want to do anything. He gets mm-hmm. annoyed when he has to go between his mom's house and his dad's house. The things that a kid would get annoyed with so the the two Halloween's scene was really the one where I thought the kid really acted that out very well like you have the first Halloween with Scarlett Johansson then Adam Driver wants to take him out again because it's turn, his turn to trick or treat with him and he's kind of tired and doesn't want to go and they don't get very much candy and he's just upset but then it's like once that happens he's right on to the next thing and he wants you know Adam Driver to play with him so I thought that like you said it was just really well acted by everybody in this movie 
You brought up something else that I actually had hadn't fully thought th- thought through until now, but I was worried too that they would get too deep into or show too many scenes of where the parents are fighting over the child. Mm-hmm. I think Noah Baumbach did a perfect job of only including important moments. Like Halloween was perfect. You're right. That was one of the most um like it was one of the most important scenes, I would say, because they're trying to figure out, like, how do we split our time? How do we give attention to this child and also how the child can suffer because his parents either can't give him equal attention or he's going to miss out on some opportunity, which in this case, it was that they were trick or treating in a weird area and it was too late at night for him to get a lot of candy. Mm-hmm. And did you notice too, at least I think this is accurate, but all this, the scenes where they're talking about the child and what they want to do with the child and, and all that, the, the child is never in those scenes. So they're always yes, discussing yeah. their relationship with him, but he's never, he never witnesses them break out with a, into a fight or have a situation where there's a disagreement or anything like that. Whenever the, whenever Henry, that's the kid's name is in the scene, it's always a very amicable relationship. So I thought that was handled very well too. Like we'll discuss how we want to parent our child, but not while our child is is in the room. Yeah, I think just a word I would associate with this entire film is thoughtful. I felt mm-hmm. like the dialogue was thoughtful, the way it was shot, the certain things they thought were important, even minute details about the characters and why they did what they did, the clothing, everything was just so well thought out. So now we'll get into our dislikes, which we don't have too many for Marriage Story on Netflix, but there are a few. One dislike that you had was, and this is a, kind of a spoiler, um, so if you haven't seen it, maybe turn off the episode and come back when you watch it. But there's a scene where like this, I don't know, child psychologist or behavior anal- analysis parenting person comes and watches Adam Driver parent Henry. And at one point during that scene, Adam Driver accidentally cuts himself with a pocket knife and is just yeah. bleeding uh, through the whole scene, basically. And I think he's actually, I mean, if it's like props, it's very good props because it looks like he's just actually bleeding, like he actually cut himself. So, but that was one scene I know for you that you, you kind of were shocked by and it was kind of horrifying, honestly, how he just walked around the room like nothing was bad was happening. <laughs> I mean, I got lightheaded. I, so Arjun watched this with me and um, I, I mean, I really was like, oh, oh no. Like I just kept looking down and I felt like I was like breathing a little heavily. It's more because it was like his wrist area. Yes. And I don't like thinking about people doing that in general, but like wrists, I know I've mentioned like throat cutting is bad for me and shots through the head are bad for me. Well, anything to do with veins or wrists will also do that to me. So, um, and I do apologize. Maybe we should have done a trigger warning. I'm I'm not positive, but it it he is fine. Everything is fine. But you don't know at the time if he's going to be fine. And I thought, oh my gosh, is he going to die? Is that what's going to happen here? Um, and it was just sad because he didn't want to scare his son. Uh-huh. So he kept saying, "I'm fine. I'm just tired," because he'd fallen to the floor. Yeah. Um, the reason this was my dislike, actually, I thought about this even more. I've thought about this multiple times since I've watched it, like different days since I've watched it. Um. It wasn't just that I don't like wrist cutting. It was that I felt like there was no resolution to that scene. Like you see him laying on the floor. You think he's going to die. And then they flip forward and it's a couple months and he's fine. You never see a scar on his wrist. They never allude to it again. And I really thought, what was the point of that scene? Because if you want to show him not doing well without his Mm -hmm. wife or something, 
he could have burnt his hand on the stove or dropped yeah. the food on the floor and then they didn't have dinner. Why did it have to be something so dramatic where you think he's going to die and then you just never acknowledge it again? So I did not like that choice. I feel very strongly about that. Yeah, I thought that was interesting to include that because they're talking about the whole story and Henry's like, Dad, you can you do the thing with the knife? And the lady's like, what's the thing with the knife? And he's like, well, um, we're not going to do that right now. Um, and I don't do that. You know, he's like very just nervous, anxious kind of in that scene. And then he talks about when he actually does cut his wrist. He's like, as long as I do this thing with my knife where I pull it out and I do this and I, it looks like I'm cutting myself. And then he actually cuts himself so um that was i think more done was like a story element but like you said there was no resolution for that so it was a little surprising that they decided to include that so um and since we are doing some spoilers um we'll go ahead and just talk about the end of the movie now but i think it's a little disappointing that they weren't able to get back together especially after adam driver says that he's going to do like a residency at ucla and he'll be in los angeles and he can see henry more which is great um but we cut when we're in that scene scarlett johansson Hanson's character Nicole is already in a new relationship um, and, and things like that. So it's a little disappointing that it wasn't able to work out in the end. Yeah, I really was sad about it. I mean, I have to say going into this film, I didn't think they'd work out. But the way things were happening at the end, I thought, oh, my gosh, are they going? Did they trick us? Are they going to give the audience mm-hmm. the ending? I would think most people would want for them. And it, it didn't actually you know, I, I felt like they did leave it a little open-ended, which I liked. So, you know, there's a possibility they could work out. I don't think they did. Um, so I was really sad that they didn't, but I, I don't fault him for that. I'm mainly just like sad as an audience member that they didn't work out, but it's, that's not something to me that counts against the film, but I did definitely want to mention it. Um, yeah, I mean, really the wrist thing was the most upsetting to me that they just never brought that up again. I will say going back to that, I knew that the knife was going to play a role because Noah did a good job when he was directing it. There was a specific scene where he flicked the knife out and you see it in the camera, like focused on it. Yeah. So I knew that something was going to happen with the knife later. I wasn't sure what it was going to be. I assumed since it was a knife, it wasn't going to be good. Um, but I feel like that was kind of a thing that they threw away. Uh, so I don't mean to harp on that, but that really, it, it to me was almost a perfect film. And then that really, really, uh, it lost some points with me because of that. So the only other dislike that we both have is at one point near the end of the movie, Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver both like sing songs like very La La Land-esque kind of. <laughs> um, I don't... Adam Driver, they show his and the lyrics are kind of meaningful and that's great, but I don't think we needed that song. I don't honestly think we needed the Scarlett Johansson song at the birthday party or whatever that was. I think we could have cut those out and saved, you know, 10 minutes of this movie and we would have been fine. I just... It was weird. Oh. It wasn't really a big musical focus up to that point. So to just instantly switch to like a musical for 10 minutes was kind of odd. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay. I didn't actually. So I actually really liked the Scarlet scene with okay. her sister and mom. I thought that was okay. really cute because to me that was showing um, how tight knit they are and how well she was doing. Cause at that point she's like truly thriving on her own. Yes. Like, it seems like she's made a life for herself outside of being married to Charlie. Um, so I liked that, but yeah, the scene with Adam driver singing, he clearly has a nice voice. I get that the lyrics were meaningful, but I felt like we could have watched 30 seconds of that and totally, I would have gotten the same (laughs) feeling from it. I would have known he had a good voice. 
I would have been like, okay, I get the lyrics. So I, I really, I wish I could, you know, actors on actor style talk to Noah Baumbach and be like, why did you put a full song in the middle of this film <laughs> that I just didn't, I didn't think it needed to be there. I'm still more bothered by the lack of resolution with the knife story, but this was definitely, these were the two things that I was like, I just don't understand. And it made me upset. Understandable. Also, speaking of music, we got to give a sh- quick shout out to the guy that scored this film, Mr. Uh, Randy Newman. Randy <laughs> Newman. I knew you would notice. I did too. I, it sounded like him throughout the entire film. And then at the end, my heart just swelled to see that it was him in the credits. <laughs> so are you ready to give your grade for a uh, marriage story? Yes, I did think about this in advance. Um, okay. I think, should you go first this time? I think you I did. Can go I think first. I did on Knives Out. So I could I, be wrong. You go right ahead. Okay, I'll go first for Marriage Story. So I really enjoyed this film. It's probably going to end up as one of my top 10 films of the year when things are all said and done. There were a few things that were little detractors for me. The music scenes, as you mentioned, Katie, with the knife thing, that was just kind of odd. I get why they did it, but it was kind of odd to never give any resolution and just include it. So with that being said, I'm going to give Marriage Story a 91 out of 100. So, Oh, Jared, that's good. Pretty solid grade. Great performance performances great script really well done movie just a few things that knock it down but i think this will be in my top 10 movies of 2019 when we do that list uh, in a couple weeks once we've seen everything so a 91 out of 100 for me so i already started my top 10 list because i knew this was going to be on it um i mean i swear within 30 minutes of this film i was like yeah this is going to be in there um i thought you and i were going to differ more but we didn't i i think you and i both appreciated a lot of the same things about this film Um, I think it was darn near perfect. Um, I scored it the same, just to give you kind of like uh, details here. I gave you it the same as Harriet. Okay. And the same as Rocket Man. I'm regretting a little bit Rocket Man because I would bump it down now, like maybe two points having seen other films this year. But um, I will say, just to point out, I did rate this one point higher than Knives Out and one point higher than Downton Abbey. And I think we all know I loved those films. (laughs) But to me... Uh, films like Harriet and Marriage Story that are either true or true to life. I think really those stories need to be told. And those are the ones that really touch me. So I gave this a 95 out of 100. It's absolutely one of my favorites this year. Nice. So pretty consistent scores with Marriage Story. You can go check it out on Netflix. It's not a super happy movie. So if you're like, ooh, Marriage Story, maybe this will get me in the holiday spirit. Uh, It won't. (laughs) So don't don't be checking that Um, one out. Um, If you're like watching. You know what, though? What well, do you say? know how some, excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, you know how some films, though, like beat you over the head with like depression? Yeah. I didn't think this one did it. I mean, this is sad, but I think everybody, most everybody in their lives have a relationship that falls apart or a bad breakup or a friendship that breaks up um, or a falling out with their parents. Mm-hmm. So I yep. think this is a relatable story. And I felt like what happened in it, some, a lot of it was cringeworthy. And made you cry. I mean, I was weeping at the end, but I also think like I I didn't feel it was so in your face that I was bothered or so depressed I couldn't like go to sleep afterwards. I was like, wow, I just felt like it was emotionally like a lot to take in, but I was fine at the end. 
I agree. So I think that's a good summary of Marriage Story. So those are our grades for Marriage Story. Again, I gave it a 91 out of 100. Katie gave it a 95 out of 100. You can listen to the Silver Screen Podcast a lot of different places. Apple Podcasts, um, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, TuneIn, Spotify. We're on all those locations. You can find us on social media, Instagram and Twitter at Podcast Silver. And then on Facebook, just search Silver Screen Podcast and we will pop up. Next episode of the Silver Screen Podcast, we're not quite sure. We have a lot of movies coming down the pipeline. Some of those include Dark Waters, The Two Popes, Star Wars, Little Women. Those are all releasing very soon. So those will all be probably coming up here on the Silver Screen Podcast in one form or another. Um, But just know that we're not totally sure what we're going to do next. Katie's going to see Dark Waters actually here uh, in just a few minutes after we get done recordings with Mark Ruffalo. So we'll see if that makes it into our next review. And then The Two Popes is another Netflix movie. And they're just releasing a bunch of like heavy hitters this year. Definitely. I'm excited. I think Dark Waters is going to be good, and I wouldn't be surprised if it at least got nominated for an acting category or something like that, but we'll see. Sounds good. So just stay tuned to figure out what will be on the next episode of the Silver Screen Podcast. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy.